You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey. 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 Party people, what is happening? My In a name place is, to be. My name is Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting on reparations. Cut us our check. So what is going on with you? you oh, were, man. You, didn't you just get out of a meeting? I did. I did. We talked about redistricting. That's interesting. I feel like it's less interesting at the local level than it is at the state and like federal, but um, sort of learning the principles of, you know, the Voting Rights Act and like how that must be translated into how this ought to work, what different people are trying to get out of the process. It's fairly new to me because this only happens every 10 years. So, oh no, man. I thought it was I, but uh, yeah, just a bunch of other pretty mundane things, but that was the big one. Yeah, so well, I mean, yeah, it's just is, redistricting. Redistricting is about to be like a big. I mean, I'm not that it's not a big issue now, but it's about to show its weight coming up soon in the 2024 elections, right? Yeah, I the mean, 2022. I mean, for sure, 2022. It will probably make a big difference in some places. Um, Republicans will try everything possible to fuck. Working people and brown people and black people, um, which is why it's it was like so interesting and yet so frustrating to discuss redistricting here because what we're discussing is the local commission maps that we wanted to send to the state legislature to ask for approval. Like, hey, we did this work to figure out how to redistrict. Here you go. You know, we have this intimate knowledge of our own community, and this is what we think should happen. And you know what they're gonna do, like. They're gonna just ignore the ignore completely ignore it and find some way to screw people over. Um, like I've talked through a lot of the nightmare scenarios in which they could possibly just turn, they could just renumber the districts mm-hmm. and make it so that every all the incumbents, everyone currently representing these people, is no no longer live in the district number that they are, which means that everyone who just got elected would have to fight for re-election. I so in I the spring like they could just do that and screw everyone if they wanted to and so it was just like wow this is fascinating and also so useless because no they're not gonna listen to us where's the concept of redistricting come from so it's to get the districts back into within i think 10 percent of each other so that everyone is represent you know so that let's say um here, I, I my district gained 3,000 people. And maybe another district lost 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that means fewer people are getting represented by one person in one area, where I, whereas I have to represent more people in another area, which means their vote counts less technically because they're represented by the same amount. It's the one person. Represents you know. the same amount of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I'm, yeah. I'm explaining this terribly. And so it's getting the districts back in alignment so everyone has equal representation. 15,000 people in one district, one representative. Yeah. 1,450 or 14,050 in another, one representative. So it's getting the maps back into shape so that everyone has equal representation, supposedly. Um, but there's a lot of tricky ways to do that where you can break up. I mean, you're technically not supposed to break up minority communities. Like, literally, the Voting Rights Act says you're not supposed to. But if you can, I mean, you're technically not supposed to cross the street when the light's red. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, exactly. 
Technically, well, sure, you're not I, supposed to smoke weed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> However, <laughs> well, I don't know how we're still beholden some of these like archaic weirdo rules that were made like 150 years ago that totally don't apply to the modern world and shit like that. It seems. I mean, like yeah, the first, too- the Second Amendment. Like, well, yeah, I mean, the it niggas seems had like- muskets. You know, I'm not. Bruh. I'm definitely sure I'm not the first person to suggest it, but I don't know. Maybe like every like 15 years, we should go look at all that shit and kind of reconsider what we need and what we yeah. don't need and what needs to be changed. Yeah, and what the Senate, people. the most yeah. under democratic <laughs> institution, like codified in law. Like what? And here we still are. Oh, imagine cinema! Please don't let me die in a climate-induced fire. In the you know, I don't know. On the border of Mexico, yeah. We better so here figure we something out quick because, like you said, the the Republicans are definitely going to use that shit to their advantage. Speaking of Republicans oh. using stuff to their advantage, it's kind of like what we're going to be talking about today. So last week's election results seem to have like the whole Democratic Party in a little bit of disarray. In a tizzy. Republicans claimed all statewide offices in Virginia, and it's they all were of likely, them? yeah, they took all of them. All oh, that were up for election at the that time. That were up for election, I mean, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, okay. No, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, because it, it's equally possible that the ones that weren't up for, weren't up for re-election, they just went and, like, took it's them looking, out. It's looking like Black they're going to take control of the state's delegates, too. Um, two of those races two of yeah. those races are pretty tight and they're in recount right now, but it's looking like they're going to get that. They uh, gave a scare to uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, um, that one didn't get called till like the next day, and yeah, it was by a much thinner margin. About, yeah, being a little nervous about that one, but you pulled it off. Um, so not you know like anyone who's been following the, in particular the Virginia election, you know, at the near the tail end of that, the election kind of took a turn. I think there was like a something stupid. There was like a like twenty or thirty point swing or something like that where. McCullough was up by like 10 points. And then over the course of like a week, the nigga was down by 10. You know what I mean? And it kind of centered around the whole concept of critical race theory, which is the academic legal concept that we'll get into later. Um, But using that and kind of having a laser focus, almost droning approach to hammering that in critical race theory, critical race theory. They're going to be teaching that in school. Critical race theory. Wokeness is bad. Critical race theory. Wokeness is bad. He managed to get, you know, white people to get into a little bit of a race panic over weird black stuff being taught to their kids in the school system. Weird black stuff. (laughs) New name of this podcast, actually. Rebranding. Rebranding. Um. Now, in the wake of all of this, you know, you know how like whenever these motherfuckers be losing elections, they like to do the the whole campaign autopsy. To, oh, yeah. Everybody to wants to give them their two cents and we'll probably do the same. <laughs> so, they've, you know, like you've been having Democratic operatives and other elected officials and they've they've been looking back at what's been going on. And their conclusion is not that Terry McAuliffe. uh fed into the fake debate about critical race theory and wokeness and didn't concentrate on a strong economic message. And their, their, their conclusion is not that Joe Biden and the Senate and the House didn't give politicians like Democrats like Terry McAuliffe anything to really run on other than Trump is bad. Trump is bad. 
So their their conclusion is that it is critical race theory and, you know, even more broader than that and more vague wokeness, the concept of wokeness there. That is what they're wanting to attribute blame for their losses last week, too, is the concept of wokeness. The Democrats are being too woke that the left has a wokeness issue. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about critical race theory, wokeness, what it is, what it isn't, and how the right wing is using both to essentially radicalize half the country. And a lot of smart people, too. A lot of people that you think are smart, that you might hear them talk about wokeness like it's an actual, like like a thing, like it's an issue. You know, that's that's something that's got me shocked. But uh, (laughs) we're going to we're going to get into that and more after the jump. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, we're back. And so let's talk a little bit about, first of all, let's, let's, let's set the record straight about what critical race theory is. Um, and a little of where it's where it's resurgence and repackaging as this boogeyman um, has come from. So critical race theory, I've studied a little bit in graduate school. It's like a framework of analysis and an academic movement of civil rights scholars and activists who seek to examine the intersection of race and law in the United States and challenge mainstream American liberal approaches to racial justice. Um, it examines social, cultural, and legal issues, keyword legal issues, primarily as they relate to race and racism in the United States. And a main tenet of CRT is that racism and disparate racial outcomes are the result of complex, changing, and often subtle social and institutional dynamics rather than explicit and intentional prejudices of individuals per Wikipedia. But, so yeah, so it's like it's about the law. It's about upholding of these systems and these institutions that give rise to disparate racial outcomes rather than like Kyle in fifth grade called me an African beast when I held the door open for him, which is a real thing that happened. But like critical race theory actually looks at more of the institutional systemic causes and effects so um, of racism. It's, it's very important that we started it off with that because what Mariah just read is the very first paragraph on the Wikipedia page for critical race theory. Now pay attention to like that last bit when it says that um, racism and disparate racial outcomes are the result of complex, changing, and often subtle social and institutional dynamics rather Rather than than explicit intentional prejudices of individuals. Now if you ask any right winger in the country right now like what is critical race theory why is it bad and what is your problem with it they literally would tell you the opposite of what it says of what the on the wikipedia page they're trying to paint it as this as this thing is like oh critical race theory is about um saying uh, Pretty much critical race, they would like to paint a caricature that critical race theory is about um, screaming about racism all the time and saying that people are racist and, oh, this person's racist and that's racist and that's racist. And you should feel bad as a personal individual for racism. When, like, literally, literally, I'm not saying that's, that is a separate issue. That's, like, a separate discussion. But, like, the actual thing that critical race theory is, like, literally is, like, it says a tenant is that it's not about like putting like the onus of racism on the the personal actions of people it's more about the systems and stuff like that so the way it's codified into law and the way the law is enacted um and there's like this yeah this institute i use this term too much but this institutional inertia of like the way things were is the way things people always do things and the way things will always be so if it was like constructed by racist people hundreds of years ago, the systems they set up, or the, you know, like we were talking about the Senate earlier, we were talking about all of these arcane legal institutions that we still live by. And it's like, though, that's, let's look at that. Let's look at that instead of like, little Timmy, hate yourself. Why don't you, you're five years old. You should have learned to hate yourself by this point. (laughs) Yeah, so, okay. So I wanted to, to, to put a little like historical context on not only like how CRT is being used right now, but also how it, this pertains to the results of the election in Virginia and just historical trends with regards to the swing from the left to the right that I have noticed. I mean, I've only lived 30 years in this world, 
But for my entire life, every time there's been a Democrat elected, the next person is a Republican, and then they get reelected, and then there's a Democrat again that gets reelected, and then it's a Republican. And so, um, like, I think, I mean, maybe people who have not touched upon this have more historical context than I, and that's why this hasn't come up. But I haven't seen enough people saying that this is just how the swing goes. Democrats take power, Republicans freak the fuck out, and anger is such a motivating emotion. Like, anger is such a motivating emotion to go out and vote. And so the Republicans are angry at the Democrats right now because they don't hold power. So they come out in droves and they elect someone like Glenn Youngkin or whatever the fuck. It's it's Glenn Youngkin, right? Youngkin sounds like, I don't know, he belongs to the Lollipop Guild or some shit. But, so, and it's just like, of course this this would happen. Like, this always happens. I don't know why you're trying to, oh, it's CRT. Oh, it's wokeness. Oh, we went too far left. Oh, there wasn't an economic message. Like, no, you just can't beat people who are angry. And we're not angry right now because we're in power. We, the Democrats, are in power. So no one's angry so they don't come out and vote. That's one historical trend that I think applies to the situation. And I think it's correct. I just, I think that, I think if we were just talking about CRT, like if CRT was the only thing, then I would agree with that. But I think that the broader concept of wokeness is what makes this whole situation a lot more insidious and potentially, like, dangerous, in my opinion. But we'll, we'll get into that later on. What was the next thing you were going to say? So, the next thing I was going to say is that this is not the first time that dog whistles have been used to reclaim the moral high ground, um, you know, for reactionaries to reclaim the moral high ground and repackage white supremacy and racism in a way that's palatable to the people in the suburbs so they can keep doing the same project that they've been doing since Jim Crow. CRT is now being used as a dog whistle, much like law and order was being used by Reagan in the 1960s. It was a response to white fears about losing their status in the racial order and to ensure continued subjugation of people of color. They couldn't come out and say, we hate the niggers anymore. And even there's there's documentation of like politicians at the time saying that. Like, well, you can't call go around and call people the N-word. So what are we gonna do? So what they did was start focusing on cracking down on crime and reinstating law and order as a coded way to talk about people of color. And we'll, so uh, at the time, the civil rights movement had gained the moral upper hand on conservatives. They marched the streets. They you know, were on the news stations getting beaten and fire hosed and attacked by dogs. And suddenly people were like, huh, maybe racism is bad. So conservatives had to make up a way to reframe things in order to make white supremacy attractive. So they started talking about locking up criminals. What do they mean by criminals? Black people. Um, talk about cleaning up our streets. What's the trash on the streets? Black people. And, and you know, what ultimately came out of that is it was so effective, the Democrats then took on the same framing of, you know what, I'm going to be tougher than the Republicans on crime. And that's why you had the crime bill in 1994 passed under Bill Clinton's administration to be like, oh, we can play that game too, which is the part of the story that... I'm not sure how this is going to turn out because, okay, same thing happened. George Floyd uprising last summer. Republicans and conservatives increasingly losing their footing in arguments for upholding racism in the face of video footage of black people getting murdered. And so conservatives had to find a new fight teaching about racism in schools. So here we are. Um, It remains to be seen how, I mean, like, I think we can speak somewhat to the way that the left has responded to this. 
Um, I yeah. The polling for the Virginia election has definitely. I mean, you know, take polls, take polls as you want them. But I mean, from a polling perspective, the shit is working. And and like if like if you have a concern about democratic electoral politics, then yeah, you should be scared because it's looking like it's going to be a bloodbath <laughs> that Republicans are going to take over everything. And it does seem like these, you know, to, to people like us, what seem like ridiculous, uh, you know, ridiculously argued uh, cultural issues, it, it's working on people, on a lot of people. And- Here's what I have to say about the polling is that up in, in the 2016 election, Everyone thought Hillary Clinton was going to win because the polling showed that she had the most support. And it has been surmised that that was the case because conservatives were, because of their distrust of institutions and perhaps even embarrassment about supporting Donald Trump, were not responsive to polls. Now we are in an era, I might guess, where Republicans feel like they have been validated conservatives feel like and white supremacists and fascists feel like they've been validated by the Trump administration like oh we're the silent majority and so perhaps now in the polls they are more comfortable with speaking their opinion they think it's more important to speak out about how they really feel but, or, um, because they think that you know, they are the majority perhaps they trust institutions more in that they had institutional power for four years and so maybe that's what we're seeing and like oh it's working and like well maybe people are saying they're scared of CRT, but they weren't saying that they're going to vote for Donald Trump in 2016. And something has changed with regards to how they are responding to inquiries into their political beliefs, possibly. I don't know. Again, I think the CRT is just like the CRT is just like a specific aspect of it, though. Like, for example, all right, so um, along with the rush for them to change all these voting laws and stuff like that, the Republicans have been doing the same feverish work on local and federal level for the last year getting this broad this vague concept of what they interpret critical race theory to be they've been working feverishly to get books banned to get curriculums changed to get fanatics in in QAnon weirdos elected to school boards and stuff like that they've been working hard to do all of this shit and i just think that there's like a more insidious reason why than this the the usual same old like dynamics that 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 have been playing out for the hundred years. So um, so uh, Republican rep Steve Toth um is an example of like where Republicans are going with this. So he was Real quick, saying, I wanted to respond to something you just said. Because I think the CRT panic has an interesting parallel with like the abolitionist movement that you know really took off had been seated for decades, but like really took off last summer. And that abolitionists consider how we plant seeds that grow into a society where we don't depend on police and prisons. We know that world's not going to happen overnight. Another election result that came out last week was, you know, Minneapolis voting down a measure to um, abolish and create a, abolish the police department and create a new agency like you know, it's we we're not going to win tomorrow, but like if we start seeding these ideas, one day we can create that world. But Why I think this is a parallel to CRT is that perhaps they are seeing that we can reclaim the social order if we make sure kids don't learn about racism, and if those yes. kids don't learn about racism, they will grow up to not 
to stop fighting. They can't fight racism you're if they ab- don't know how it has been enacted historically. You're one and so the same idea right. of seeding the seeding the like planting the necessary seeds for a world that continues to be racist. Mm-hmm. And you're one. That's exactly what I'm getting at. And I think that the, you know I think unfortunately because they're they're able to link the stuff in with this other vague term of wokeness and what that means. I think that they're being more successful in these ideas than in the past. So, okay. I, I think so. About- yeah. I mean, like, uh, like you mentioned, um, like corporatist Democrats are already seizing on to, Oh, we were too woke taking on their framing and yeah, like exactly. fighting for the framing. Same way the Democrats previously were like, Oh no, we can be tougher on crime. But then Let's lock that, up all the black people. Even that is just like a cultural. I mean, or even that's like a political thing. Like if you just look at it from a cultural standpoint, how many, how many, uh, like athletes or celebrities or rappers or musicians or comedians, especially, do we hear now talking about woke? Oh, I hate woke, woke, woke. This this thing is woke. The f- fucking quarterback Aaron Rodgers in football got caught lying about his vaccination status. He told everybody that he was vaccinated when he wasn't really vaccinated. When they found out that he wasn't vaccinated, do you know what he said? <laughs> I see that I'm getting canceled by the woke mob. You see what I mean? It's like, it. this is like their, this is their opportunity to have something that they can sweep everything that they don't like into that shuts down the conversation and that can trick otherwise I guess I don't want to say well attention, but otherwise gullible people into their shit. So like you know they're yeah. they, they all of these Republicans are bringing up Martin Luther King now when they're talking about uh, it. So murders ab- my soul about this uh, pursuit of banning books in Texas. Um, you got this Republican rep Steve Toth, and he said um, this book ban is what he's saying. It echoes Dr. King's wish that we should judge people on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. I Critical will race die theory. if I hear a single other conservative. <laughs> this line. Okay, go on. He said, "Critical race theory is a Marxist doctrine that rejects the vision of Martin Luther King." Now, Bruh. what did they Bruh. used to call Martin Luther King back in the a day? A communist and a Marxist. That's because he I'm was saying. critical of capitalism. <laughs> this is about. This is about changing the direction of shit. This is like a long-term game. And I mean, it's just like, I just, I just think that because I know how many people who I think are cool or who I think are smart or who have like a good head on their shoulders that I find myself talking to them about political things. And these motherfuckers bring up wokeness. Like, A, if wokeness was an issue that it even cracks like the top hundred of stuff that motherfuckers need to be worried about is it's just simply not a thing. So the fact that they're successfully like roping in a lot of people to thinking, I mean, like, look, if you want to be like the dem, which democratic politician was running about critical race theory? Any, well, they can sweep it into the same category as anyone talking about race. But uh, yeah, but but I so, just mean so I, all of them, all of them theoretically. <laughs> but I mean the same way with that, the same way that no elected Democrat politician that I could think of, besides for like three, 
is out here talk, like running on the platform of defund the police. That's yeah. something that activists are doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, that's what I mean is like, Democrats are framing are framing themselves into a box. Republicans are hammering it in, and and people are eating it up. But what Democrat, even Terry McAuliffe, who lost the election, which Democrats' platform is? We need critical race theory in every school. But that's what will be interesting moving forward, is how people explain. And this is something I think is interesting about yeah, what debate this forces. It may force a debate for like. It may force Democrats to articulate what they think should be taught in schools. Because those questions are getting brought up. I've already, already seen uh, friends of mine who've been running for elected office at the local level who are getting asked, who, you know, are known to be progressives, who are getting asked about critical race theory. And rather than duck the question, which I honestly think is the better thing to do, um, they're like, well, this is what I think should be taught in schools. And I think this is going to become increasingly common, unfortunately. But it's like, bruh. What? Like, roads, bridges, like, the Pentagon. Can we fucking, like, Medicare for all? Like, can we talk about something like, let's leave this to the Department of Education, let's leave this to local school districts. But no, Congress people and state house representatives and all the motherfuckers are going to get roped into this because we've already knock, seen. You can't knock results, though. Because, again, you know, it's, it's, it's just a matter of it's just a matter of like priorities, I guess. This is what Republicans care about. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready that, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. 
Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So... It really doesn't matter. Like, you know, the same way the us on the left have stuff that we care about. So it doesn't matter whether or not Republicans care that we care about those things because we do. And that's exactly what the situation is. It doesn't matter that we want to talk about roads and bridges because Republicans want to talk about this. Now, I'm not saying that that means that we need to, like, concentrate our shit to then talk about this, but we need to know what motivates them and what what is their motivating factors because it'll let us be prepared for the different things that they're going to try you know in the future coming up but i'm telling you they have successfully wrapped up this critical race theory wokeness thing and now everything is is woke everything is critical race theory so it's like the next time you watch watch the next time that there's a video of a cop Stepping on somebody's fucking neck for eight minutes. <laughs> when you say, oh, that's bad. There's going to be someone who's going to say, why are you being woke? Yeah, that's critical race theory. Yeah, that, that's, that is the pro- that's the project that's at play here. That's what they're trying to create. Because it's all about projection. You know how Republicans always say, oh, you guys always say that everything is racist because it shuts down conversation. It's because they want to have something they can say to shut down conversations about race. Yeah. The, you know what I'm saying? So if they can sweep everything up into wokeness and critical race theory, you know, and, and, and because we've got so many fucking stupid people around, I just fear that it's going to work. How many people have you heard use the term woke in cancel culture in relation to the Dave Chappelle conversation? Right. You know what I'm saying? Dave Chappelle himself, I'm crusading against wokeness, uh, woke, blah, 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 blah. This is the path that, like, people are following. Like, like, check check this out, right? Um, these are just, like, a runoff of some of the headlines. Okay, wait. Dramatic. Before we get to that, I would like to... So, I want to go back to my point about Democrats having to defend their position on what they think kids should be oh, yeah, taught sure. in school. I want to read you this quote, and I want you to tell me if this was said by a Democrat or Republican. We will teach all history, the good and the bad. America is the greatest country on the planet. We know it. We have an amazing history, but we also have some dark and important chapters. We must teach them all. We can't know where we're going unless we know where we come from. Who said that? I mean, it sounded super American exceptionally, so I'm gonna guess a Republican, but it could have been. This was a this was a quote from Glenn Youngkin's final campaign rally in Loudoun County, in Virginia. The next part of it, 
But like it does. Okay, it does have some American sexual sexualism in it because he says America is the greatest country on earth. But we will teach all history, the good and the bad. His next like part. But let me be clear. What we won't do, what we won't do is teach our children to view everything through a lens of race, where we divide them into buckets. One group's an oppressor and another group's a victim. And we put them against each other and we steal their dreams. We will not be a commonwealth of dream stealers. We'll be a commonwealth of dream enablers and builders. We know it's not right. We're all created equal. And we're trying so hard to live up to those immortal words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Who implored us to be better than we are to judge one another on what? The content of our character, not the color of our skin. So let me be clear. On day one, we will not have political agendas in the classroom and I will ban critical race theory. I mean, there you go. So I'm just saying that it becomes like the the terrain like, once you once you seed seed ground to like their framing that critical race theory is bad and wokeness is bad this is this is the word salad that we get from both sides of the aisle probably I, I I just don't think that it's limited to being in the realm of politics and I think culturally I think that the way that this is playing out culturally is affecting how it's playing out politically. Because I, I just I just think that there's there's more people than we're willing to admit whose brains have temporarily turned into mashed potatoes and they're like waking up in a cold sweat at night like oh my god wokeness how do we stop it and I think I think your example about Dave Chappelle is perfect for this because ostensibly left leaning people um did wait did he one time say that voted for Donald Trump. Was it no, SNL? It was a, it was a joke. It was a joke. Okay. He said that we should give Donald Trump a chance, but he did. Then so maybe I'm giving him too much more. credit. Since Ostensibly, Dave came back in the yes. last five years. Have you heard Dave Chappelle say anything bad about Donald Trump? Ooh, I'm gonna take Even, back what I started to say. I'm gonna take it back. Cut this from the episode. <laughs> just kidding. Don't really. But like, uh, I'm taking it back. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm honestly asking because. Like the only conservative figure that I know specifically Dave Chappelle has gone after has been Candace Owens. Now, I wonder what it is about Candace Owens who <laughs> makes her different from other conservative, popular conservative figures that Dave Chappelle felt comfortable going after her Oof. and not the other ones. Could it be that she's black and a woman? Oof. That's how it feels to me. Because Steven Crowder is chilling. Dave Chappelle ain't say shit. But again, he's punching down in a certain way. Yeah, Ben Shapiro's chilling. Dave Chappelle ain't said shit. Yeah. Nick Fuentes is chilling with swastikas behind him. Talking about Dave Chappelle, yes. Dave Chappelle ain't say shit. So, you know, just just, just generally. And then, and then who is Dave Chappelle on tour with? Or who was he on tour with last week? With Joe Rogan, who is the king of... Wokeness is the worst issue in America right now. And if we let cancel culture go on, then they'll lock white men in their houses. How's this? So people that are either coded as ostensibly left wing because they are black, like Dave Chappelle, or people that, you know, in their media um, purport like an open mindedness. Like Joe Rogan had Bernie Sanders on his podcast, as well as fucking Elon Musk. You know, he's not he's not like explicitly partisan. So these people seeding the ground to the framing that wokeness is bad is a part of like that 
same historical trajectory that we've been on with the, you know, with like quote unquote like left or at least nonpartisan figures. Yeah. Like going along with the far right framing of something to seem like, oh, I'm not one of those ridiculous, you know, pronouns and bio like bitches. Like, well, I'm I'm cool because like instead of giving a substantive argument for why you stand for what you stand for, if you stand for it, which they don't really. So check out these headlines. So let's get into yeah, let's from the aftermath, right? So okay. New York Post, James Carville blames stupid wokeness for Dems week showing. Uh, Fuck James Carville. This is a problem and we all know it. That's from Vox. Um, Democrats go to war over wokeness. That's the Hill. And then here's the interesting one. New York Times columnist Maureen Dowd warns wokeness could derail the Democrats. That's from Fox News. Now, why is Fox News favorably covering Maureen Dowd of the New York Times over the top? Like, why are they why are they joining for the topic of wokeness is bad? I mean, it indicates. Yeah, they're giving they're like we're giving them fodder for further accelerating their campaign of white supremacy. Great job, New York Times. Where Republicans going with all this, right? That, that's, I guess, that's at the end of the day. That's when we're talking about all this uh, critical race theory and wokeness. Like, what is the reason? You know, and then what, what was it before this? They were talking about how, oh, we want to cancel Dr. Seuss. Y'all remember that? That was like five, six months ago. You remember the canceling Dr. Seuss and Dr. Seuss books, and this was going to be the end of Western civilization because, you know, they didn't want to have that uh, blackface picture that Dr. Seuss drew that one time. And anyway. Uh, I think that the the overall conservative project can be summed up in uh, somewhere within the, the the essay, the 1994 essay, "Who's Afraid of Critical Race Theory" by Derek A. Bell. Right. So, in this is an essay that Derek A. Bell. Who do you do you uh, know? Who yeah, Derek I know Bell. Derek Bell. I read some Derek Bell for school and shit. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote this. He wrote this essay in '94 called "Who's Afraid of Critical Race Theory," and the whole thing is a response to a book by a guy named Charles Murray, a book that he wrote in '94 called um, "The Bell Curve." Right? Oh, so the, the bell, bell curve. So many bells. Essentially. He Charles Murray, who's or eugenicist and racist. Yeah. He the point that he was trying to make in the bell curve. It, I mentioned it a little bit last week, but he's trying to make the point that IQ and intelligence is something that is based in race, and the pigmentation in your skin affects the size of your brain and your brain's ability to retain knowledge and yada 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 and it came out in 94 and it had a bunch of people who were praising it and you had a bunch of people who were condemning it and anyway I wonder in, why. in response to just the hoopla uh, Derek Bell wrote this article I'm just going to read you this passage yeah. in fact Mariah why don't you read them this passage sure yeah for okay sorry for the past three or four months a great deal of attention and energy has been devoted to commending or condemning condemning wait sorry For the past three or four months, a great deal of attention and energy has been devoted to commending and condemning Mr. Charles Murray and the late Dr. Richard Hernstein, authors of the best-selling book on racial intelligence, The Bell Curve. This book suggests great social policy significance in the fact that Black people score, on average, 15 points below whites on IQ tests. 
This thesis has been criticized as the rehashing of views long ago rejected by virtually all virtually all experts in the field. There is, critics maintain, no basis for a finding that intelligence is inherited and, indeed, no accepted definition of the vague term intelligence. There is, on the other hand, a depressingly strong and invariant correlation between resources and race in this country, and resources and success, including success on taking IQ tests. These are settled facts. Even so, the book has enjoyed an enormous success that its critics find difficult to explain. Stephen Jay Gold, for example, writes The Bell Curve with its claims and supposed documentation that race and class differences are largely caused by genetic factors and are therefore essentially immutable, contains no new arguments and presents no compelling data to support its anachronistic social Darwinism. So I can only conclude that success in winning attention must reflect the depressing temper of our time. A historic moment of unprecedented ungenerous unprecedented ungenerosity when a mood for slashing social programs can be powerfully abetted by an argument that beneficiaries cannot be helped owing to inborn cognitive limits expressed as low IQ scores. And I feel that in that you have the whole game right there. The whole game? Like, who, who, okay, so... You know, and I, I, again, I just got to bring it back to the cultural aspect of it. We all know how immensely, I don't think any of this shit's a coincidence. We know how immensely popular figures like Joe Rogan are, right? Yeah. Okay. What is some, Joe Rogan spent two or three years in the last five years with like the main theme of his show, the main topic, the main, the main like subject of intellectual curiosity that Joe Rogan wanted to talk about between the years 2017 and 2020 on his show is Charles Murray's bell curve theory. Real talk. Real talk. Dead ass. I know all that. Goddamn. Dead ass. That is like, like Joe Rogan in the past, like five years, Joe Rogan has had like 17 guests to talk specifically about this. Oh, that's right. Oh, now now I'm remembering. Framing it all in the manner of the only reason that people don't want us to talk about this or the only reason that people are saying that this is racist is because they're woke. It's because it's cancel culture. It's woke cancel culture. If it wasn't for woke PC politically correct cancel culture, then you guys wouldn't be afraid to talk about how the Negro skull is like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like th- this, this is like their, his main thing, right? It's like, I think that the reason that they're going off about this wokeness and this cri- uh, critical race theory shit, the reason why I'm watching a fucking Marvel movie and there's a scene in the Marvel movie where a black character gets stopped by a cop and then the internet blows up with these fucking trolls and goblins talking about why is it so woke why'd you have a scene where a black guy got stopped by a cop or even having black people or asian people or like hispanic people in film yeah like diversity like, of uh, casting is like seen as too woke i've been i've been seeing all these i've been seeing all of these uh commercials with these interracial relationships y'all doing a good job i see that shit but you I, know I what appreciate you that's what they're considering woke like so so while you have like you've got like the, you know like the point that you're making with the democratic politicians who kind of want to use this and adopt the language too they're using it 
to wrap things up in their language of what they deem to be progressive politics. All right. Mm -hmm. So when James Carville says the Democrats have a wokeness issue, he's talking about Medicare for all. And that's what he's sweeping into wokeness because he thinks he's slick. When the Republicans are talking about wokeness and shit like that, they're essentially talking about anything having to do with black people. But the, fu- the funny thing to me, the funny thing to me is that a lot of what they're talking about is like diversity initiatives and big corporations and like statements they issue about how they stand with Black Lives Matter, which themselves are bullshit. They don't do anything. Um, they are cover for actually white supremacist structures, which they don't actually want to challenge. But that's but that's woke. And so people are becoming embarrassed to even engage in what is otherwise already performative allyship, quote unquote. But I mean, and, but this is like uh, th- that's what I, f- I think is is something important for people on the left to pay attention to, though. Because like this, like this has been a long ongoing project. Like conservatives have a vested interest in separating black people from their allies, whether those allies be true, authentic, genuine allies, whether those allies be potential allies, or even if it's superficial performative allyship. There's conservatives have a vested interest in making sure that nobody on the left trusts each other and that we're in fighting and fighting each other and that yada 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 all, all that separation is going yeah forward. and i i want to highlight again this final line in the Derek abel quote when a mood for slashing social programs can be powerfully abetted by an argument that beneficiaries cannot be helped is what they are trying to see exactly the continuation of it is directly correlated to data and historical understanding about um, racism as, as it has been perpetuated and perpetrated in this country, um, ignoring that as an argument for slashing social programs like Medicare, like SNAP or TAMF, like education that we'll get into shortly about, you know, how this has been addressed in hip hop. Like that is what they want. That is the status quo that they're trying to maintain by not teaching people about racism. Because you don't, if you don't know about the history of racism, then why would we need social programs for uplift for people that have been historically discriminated against? What historical discrimination? It's fine. It's the cliche of anything, you know, like you, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. There's a reason why they're telling teachers to teach two sides of the Holocaust. Bruh. I there's a there's a reason why they want to ban fucking Toni Morrison books. Bruh. You know what I mean? You know that they're the, the you know the Texas the, the the Texas Republicans they have a list of 850 books that they're combing through to ban. Stuff that's like innocent stuff. Oh, man. And they can't even describe to you what the thing that they have a problem is. So before we get into the music discussion, I'm just going to give a little bit of advice to anybody, any of my uh, debaters out there. If you ever find yourself in any sort of position where you have to talk about this, I would suggest that you don't. Yeah, because the Republicans are not coming at it from any sort of genuine place. But if you must. I would say that you simply just ask them to define what woke is when they're talking about it. 
You know what I'm saying? Just ask them what is woke. And then if they don't want to answer that, give them some examples and tell them to tell you whether or not that's woke or not. Because like, just like straight up, since everybody wants to mention them, is Martin Luther King woke? Uh, if Martin I, Luther, if Martin Luther I King, I would have shoot myself 20, just hearing that question. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking by their definition, like the the people who are using Martin Luther King's name, essentially to like speak out against the con the vague concept of wokeness. So I would ask them if Martin Luther King were a 20 year old activist right now on TikTok. You know what I'm saying? Like, would you call him woke? Honestly, you know what? I ain't trying to like be like this. However, probably not. You don't because think so? Because we didn't have, we didn't, there wasn't really integration of like the gay liberation movement into what he was doing at the time, which I think is a large part of what people call woke. It's like, what do you mean that there's respect someone's pronouns? What do you mean a transgender woman is a woman? Like, I don't know if like you literally picked MLK up and dropped him into 2021. I don't know if he'd be on that shit. I mean, maybe with a couple months, he'd be like, oh, this is a cool thing that we should rep for. Yeah, I like that. I but don't th I don't think that it's I don't think I, he, I, I don't think I, he will consider him woke. I think I think the racial aspect of wokeness is way, way stronger, more attributed with, with it than the, the I think he would as me similarly disagree that diversity statements and um, like, you know, PR campaigns about how we stand with black lives from Amazon or whoever would be like authentically anti-racist. But and I so in that way, he probably would not be seen as well. But I, I, I this is also I, the most ridiculous conversation for No, but I mean, I think it's an important conversation. You got to understand, right? Like we live in a world where there's like an actual like debate right now amongst millions of people as to whether or not the next Matrix movie will be good because the trailer makes it look woke. Mm hmm. You feel me? Like, yeah. there's motherfuckers, like, really talking, like, man, did you see that? There's, like, a main character that's Asian in The Matrix. Is The, is the Matrix woke now? You you feel like how, like, yeah. in, like how insidious that, that, that's used? It's, like, literally anything. You know, like, when you when you have conversations with apolitical people and, like, you talk about anything even remotely serious, they're like, ah, why do you always got to talk about politics, man? You know, it's Ain't nobody shit. said that to me. They know that's about that life. <laughs> well, I mean, unfortunately, people I see me, if people feel that way and see me coming, they're like, "Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go real quick, y'all." But I mean, but at the essentially, that's what it is, right? I just, I just foresee, I foresee like a, a short amount of time coming up. I don't think it would, it'll take that long to radicalize people like this. But I can foresee a, a future where. Oh, there's a story that came out where such and such was accused of sexually harassing this many women. The only reason you guys have a problem with that is because you're woke PC. Oh, this story came out where we just saw the cops shoot a black kid while hailing Hitler. Only reason you guys care about that is because you're woke. You're woke. PC, critical race theory, woke, cats culture. Yeah. Hey, I think that we should pass this social program because this marginalized group is in yada yada position. <laughs> Only reason you want to help those people is because you're woke, PC, cuck, libtard, cancel culture. You know, it's it's like it, it's it's not a good spot to be in. And I mean, to to your point, 
maybe because they successfully have been able to convince black people that when they're talking about wokeness, that they're talking about annoying internet people with blue hair. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But in actuality, what they're talking about is, hey, man, whenever these fucking niggers say that they should have uh, better job opportunities, tell them to stop being woke. Right. When they that's talk what about they don't that's want, what they mean. Yeah. So when they talk black- about them, they don't want CRT in schools. They mean they don't want black teachers. They don't want black history. They don't want black children. Yep. But they can't say that anymore. They're, they're not. They're not even hiding it, though, yo. Like, I mean, I saw a uh, report that uh, Vice did not too long ago where they were interviewing one of those critical race theory crusaders and stuff like that. And I mean, this guy is sitting on knowing with like five cameras on him on Vox openly talking about like, yeah, well, you know, when I say critical race theory, what we really mean is uh, multiculturalism. We got to get rid of that. You know what I'm saying? Um, anything that's talking about equity, um, we need to get that out of, out of the vernacular and, and blah, blah, blah. Anything that talks about social responsibility, we need to take that. Like, I mean, they're saying it open in those terms. So I just, I just, I'm, you know, like I said, when I see otherwise cool people, or not even otherwise cool people, when I see people that like I used to think were cool, like you know the 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 Dave Chappelle's and the Bill Mars of the world and shit like that, and the Glenn Greenwalds, you know, it's like I'm I'm knowing, you know, I'm not the smartest cat in the world, but it's like I'm sure that I could come up with a comprehensive list of problems that the country that black people that the left I could come up with a list of problems that we got in whether or not people care too much about marginalized groups that's like the problem because that's what wokeness you know what I mean like it, it, in a nutshell that's what it is like when when a polit- when a politician or a political operative says you should stop being woke Democrats should stop being woke. That's what they mean. Yeah. It's like, hey, you guys, the next George Floyd, how about you guys just like, you know, eh, just ignore it. Be chill. Be chill about yeah, it, bro. Be chill about it. Don't don't talk about it too much because that's critical race theory, cancel culture, woke, libtard. Yeah. So we got to be careful, y'all. But don't yeah. don't listen to these funny style niggas, man. These these Dave Chappelle niggas, yo, like, like, like your wokeness is not on your top 200 of things that you should be worried about. And these niggas telling you that, it's cap. It's Straight cap. up. It's cap. Before we transition into the music section, two things I would like to say. First of all, when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated on April 4th, 1968, he was in the midst of uniting the white and black working classes to rise up to demand federal job guarantee which today is now being you know carried forth by folks like Bernie Sanders hence democratic socialism of Martin Luther King something people talk about and so I bring this up because what this really is what this whole CRT thing is about I mean as much you nailed it but what's underneath it is a desire to divide the black and white working classes so they fight each other instead of fighting capitalism. So figuring out some kind of wedge of trying to tell white people that teachers are trying to make their kids feel bad stokes racial animosity 
So they don't feel that empathy that they feel when they watch George Floyd get his knee, his neck knelt on for eight minutes. You know, that feeling you feel they're trying to like pull them back from that. Like, no, 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 don't empathize with those people. Fear them. And this is why and how. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch upon, I forgot. So let's get into the music. Discussion. <laughs> I'm sorry. I talk too much. No, I talk too much. I fucking, I, yeah. And I've had some drinks. So. All right. We're going to get into the music discussion right after the joke. <laughs> hey, my name's Jay Shetty and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I we back. We back. And you know, I set out today to find some examples of um, music that touches upon the content of what they are really teaching people in school. 
in the in and how it has been how it is manifest in hip hop music. But interestingly, more often than not, what you will actually find in terms of commentary about our education system is that folks aren't engaging with it at all for reasons I will discuss. There is one example that I thought was interesting in, let's see, what was it? So in Remedy's Education, featuring Rizza and Children of the World. Rizza, so like this is like him talking to his teacher about how they don't teach the true history. They tell us about Columbus, but they don't tell us about how slaves built America. Talk about, oh, the dark ages happened, but they don't explain why we don't know a lot about it. And they certainly don't talk about how these things correlate with the conditions we are seeing today. The average college kid stuck with low wages. Hence, students walking around with 12 gauges. So really touching upon the inadequacy of the content that is being taught, it like actually being taught in schools, yeah. at least at this time. Well, I mean, you know, it's like, and this is just the... This is like the reaction to stuff that's omitted, like the stuff that's not taught. You know what I mean? Like, imagine right. imagine what we're looking at when literal disinformation is being taught. Right. So they're trying to say, oh, CRTs in schools. No, they literally aren't teaching us black history. Actually, no. if they did, then like it's like almost like a defensive, like a like a like a. No, it's like an offensive. I mean, they're rather. barely teaching like the actual full history of the country itself. I didn't alone, learn about like, Juneteenth until I was an adult. I didn't learn about Juneteenth until I was an adult. Yeah, like, yeah. straight up, I did not know. Oh, the slaves were free. Lincoln was such a great person. And like all of, I did not learn like so much about the history of our country until I just sought it out myself as an adult. And Russell's called us out like you did what they are teaching us to said, oh, 1492, Columbus of the ocean blue. And then everything was fucking lit for the Indians until suddenly they're all dead. I don't know how that happened, etc. Especially not teaching us how this is now linked with the conditions that we are living to today. But otherwise in music, they pretty much just talk, they like talk about how fucking school is boring, which but, but particularly I found a lot of references to the link between like disaffection with schooling and incarceration which gets back to what i was saying a little bit earlier is that how another thing this whole debate is trying to distract from is like we don't distract from but it's like oh crt is bad oh what they're teaching in schools is bad as like a front for defunding education yeah because that's how they then create the conditions in the community where they have enough crime that they can make excuses for incarcerating scores and scores of African Americans. I mean, I think that like the things that we the things that we come across and read in in things that inform us when we're like in that school age. I just think it's like way too important to be fucking around with shit like this, yo. And I just think of like certain things that I was exposed to just about like world history or World War II or the space program, just learning shit shape you know that shaped me into the person that i am today with the worldview that i have and it's like when i think back of like man what if somebody had denied me that what if i hadn't gotten to read that or see that when i was that age like what type of person would that have turned me into and that makes me like yeah it makes me shudder to think that it's like 
in 15 years, we could have a whole legion of kids that are grown up pretty much thinking that that Yunkin blurb that you read earlier. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that that's the sort of shit that again, it's like long term projects because Republicans are, are always trying to win, like actually win. So in a long term project, yeah, that shit fucks up progress more than anything. And it's like they found that racket and it seems like they've got some momentum behind it. What other songs we got? So in the songs where they kind of talk about education, largely what I found is people talk about it's just general inadequacy. But a lot of lot to do with just the, the disciplinary nature of the education system. Let's look at, for example, Education by Freddie Gibbs and Madlib off of Freddie Gibbs and Madlib's 2019 album Bandana. Songs featuring Yasin Bey and Black Thought. Fucking killer co- collab. Goddamn. Like, cool. The jail overcrowded. They emptied out the school. See the devil twitching is itching from the truth. Strange fruit sight. Um, in the first verse, Yasin Bey talking about they go in one way, they come out crazy. Peace, preparatory school. And like, you know, and talking about he goes on to talk about imperialism, emperors and conquerors, pharaohs comparing them arguably to goblins and monsters. Um, and then in a later verse, oh, kids graduating from public schools and prisoners. Um, underprivileged, aboriginal, indigenous. I'm talking about like the shared struggle of all peoples of color to gain representation in our curricula. And since you don't see yourself reflected in that curricula, you're like, fucking, why should I go to school? And the rest of the, the, rest of the lyrics about like, you know, just feeling disaffected, not giving a shit about this, civil disobedience, because like, why, you know, why, like, why play this game? Um, a lot of songs, I think this one included, but particularly the next one we're going to talk about. Um, and then, yeah, and then, and then uh, Education by Remedy as well. Talk about the education that people are instead gaining in the streets. And I bring this up because I do think we learn a lot from our, like our lived experience is a is a form of education. We're experts in a lot of things because the things that we've lived through. And there is a um, increasingly popular strand of like pedagogical theory of just like you know education theory that says I mean it's not even like it came out in the '90s with like L'Oreal ads and Billings, but like a lot of folks that you t- like I teach to my students like you know I teach elementary school students and like I teach or I teach elementary school teachers and I teach all the time this thing called culturally relevant pedagogy where you try to find like to bring people's cultures into the classroom to make their educational experience more relevant to them because you're harnessing the knowledge that they already have to um, accommodate them to recognize what they already know to show that it's valuable and thereby making, you know, learning ABCs and your multiplication tables more attractive. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting and I think contributes to this conversation is that I teach this shit to my elementary school teachers and I learned it a lot myself, you know, in school. But this isn't really making it into public schools because they are so rigid in the same ways that push people out. Because there's so many regulations and so much like so many restrictions around what you're actually allowed to do in your own classroom where we don't very often bring the experiences of black children or indigenous children or whoever 
into the classroom to see so that they can see it validated and feel more affirmed by schooling. So it's like, I said I was to say, the way we teach already is inadequate. It's clearly alienating children. They don't see themselves reflected in the classroom. They don't give a shit. They get pushed out. They end up in jail. Um, and partially because schools are underfunded and schools are like seen as like pretty much just preparation for prison in many ways. Um, which like with the CRT shit, CRT just gives Republicans cover, like I was saying earlier, to just defund education further. And in Georgia, they did defunded education by a billion dollars back in 2000 and maybe 19, 2020. Billion dollars. But if they're teaching kids, well, they honestly ought to be teaching kids. Um, well, why cut their funding? We are not paying for that shit. We're not paying for kids to see themselves reflected in their curricula, which they aren't, but let's assume they are. Well, and I think if, I think these lyrics that kind of get into that a little bit. For the next one, though, we got, oh, the homie propaganda. The homie propaganda. Prop, he came on the show to talk about how police are like gangs back in the day. And he's got this song, Board of Education, B-O-R-E-D of Education. Uh, let's listen to it real quick. You're just testing my ability to regurgitate. And if your best instructors are miserable, I'm pretty sure it's not the kid's fault. So in this, he speaks somewhat to like the regimentation of the schooling that we currently receive. We sit in rows and listen to pontifications, pass and written exams, board of education. All I've learned from your system is the fact that it's just a system um, testing my ability to regurgitate, just speaking to like how disciplinarian schooling currently is and like I can't overstate it it really is just getting kids ready for prison of like someone's gonna tell you what to do all day and if you act up a little bit we're gonna throw you in the hole um and school to prison pipeline school to prison pipeline there's no room for free thought no room for critical thinking no room for challenging authority uh, I think it's a meme at this point, but like they're never going to give you the tools you need to overthrow them. They don't want you to really think critically about shit. Um, even if they do, they send mixed messages by at one time inspiring critical thinking, but then sending you to the principal's office if you mouth off too much. And I think he speaks to that here. Just like, man, y'all get us lined up next to our lockers to march to the lunchroom to eat our dry bologna sandwiches and like, gotta raise your hand if you're ready to talk. And if you don't talk enough, you get an F. So all these ways we're already alienating. We're like alienating the kids that are like, they're not even absorbing the content because they don't give a fuck because you're telling them what to do all the time. Just producing lemmings. Yeah. And then driving them off the cliff on purpose. So if you're wondering, like, oh, what are our kids actually learning in school? They're not. A whole lot of because nothing. A whole lot of nothing. Because we <laughs> fucking like are just squeezing the life out of them. I mean, and like not at all allowing any opportunity for them to see themselves reflected in the curricula. They don't which is what like or what your Republicans are afraid of. Like, oh, a black child sees like their people like in the textbook. God forbid. Which is, not- isn't happening, but they're imagining that it is. They're not learning about civics. They're not learning like the full story of the civil rights movement. They're not learning about fucking how the government works. Shit's grim. But you know what's great? Rapping. 
as always. Let's hey, get to Joel, it. Hey. Can you, can you drop a funky fresh fly beat for us? <laughs> Is that a no? Bam. Yeah, and I'm hoping it's in poor taste I need the weed like Rogan need the horse pace I keep the seeds just like it was my forte I'm about to smash on this beat This was foreplay Twelve trying to put me in a chokehold Think I really need to give a damn about a woke skull? No, cause militia men taking arms Trying to bomb niggas while comedians Worry about who cancel on Twitter Yo, that shit is cap You can think it's dope, but that shit is whack I can make a list of bigger issues if I think of that And leftists, grifters who do it for the next check Talking about wokeness and sounding like the SS and I mean all of them Bill Margaret Walden them Waiting at the phone For an alt-right be calling them They collaborators They just agitators I'm just trying to style hard And just rap the greatest Dope Mentally rehearsing arguments For redistributing resources To the hardest hit And whether our descent Can build the will Of all the folks in charge of it Or if it's arduous This means we ought to quit What can be accomplished By the state Founded on the bones of the indigenous, the sorrows of the slaves. Is it worth it to engage? Is there something we can change? Is the change we get enough to justify playing the game? Super valid questions, ones that I myself am stressed with, even though I'm on the inside and arguably to blame. As long as there's a government, then getting it to nudge a bit is better than nothing, and I'm trying my best to play. Hey, this is Dope Knife. I'm Lingo Franco. And you have been listening to Waiting on Reparations. A production of iHeartRadio. And you know what? We'll see you the fuck next week. Give us a like, subscribe, stars, all that. Peace. Peace. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.